One of Jesus's most beloved sermons, the Sermon on the Mount, is found in Matthew 5 through 7. Here, Jesus goes up a hill and gives a new teaching. This teaching begins with a list of blessings. In Greek, this word for blessed literally means happy. Jesus is saying, happy are those who... We often think that the happiest people, the people who are blessed, are the ones who are in control, who are successful and win, or who just practice good self-care and feel better. Shockingly, that's not how these blessings from Jesus work. You see, the eight Beatitudes of Jesus offer us a different kind of happiness, one that points us to a larger mystery at work through us and in us. This happiness somehow finds us when we are broken open. It isn't about doing the right things anymore, but about being in right relationship with ourselves, with others, and with God. Instead of trying to change, succeed, or earn something to make us happy, the Beatitudes bless us where we are, and yet somehow in receiving that blessing, we are changed. What if this summer, through studying Jesus' Beatitudes, we let ourselves be in the attitude that embraces this different kind of happiness? Be in the attitude that happiness is not found in what we do, achieve, or earn, or control. Be in the attitude that happiness finds us when we fail, fall, and are gutted and emptied by life in this beautiful, heartbreaking world. And be in the attitude that happiness finds us when we least expect it. And what if, after we encounter this blessing of happiness, it frees us to help others discover it too? This summer at Salt House, whether you're in the room on Sunday morning, worshiping from home, or tuning into the podcast as you enjoy your summer vacation, may this summer sermon series draw you into being the be attitudes of Jesus that offer the blessing of an upside down happiness. What if being happy is found when we just How blessed are the sorrowful, they shall find consolation. How blessed are those of gentle spirit, they shall have the earth for their possession. How blessed are those who hunger and thirst to see right prevail, they shall be satisfied. How blessed are those whose hearts are pure. Let's see God. Speaker! Quiet, Mum. Well, I can't hear a thing. Let's go to stoning. You can go to a stoning any time. Oh, come on, Brian. Will you be quiet? Don't pick your nose. I wasn't picking my nose, I was scratching. You was picking it while he was talking to that lady. I wasn't. Leave it alone, give it a rest. Do you mind? I can't hear a word he's saying. Don't you do you mind me? I was talking to my husband. Well, go and talk to him somewhere else. I can't hear a bloody thing. Don't you swear on my wife. I was only asking her to shut up so he can hear what he's saying, Big Nose. Don't you call my husband Big Nose. Well, he has got a Big Nose. Could you be quiet, please? What was that? I don't know. It's too busy talking to Big Nose. I think it was blessed are the cheesemakers. What's so special about the cheesemakers? Well, obviously, it's not meant to be taken literally. It refers to any manufacturers of dairy products. See, if you haven't been going on, we'd have heard that, Big Nose. Hey, say that once more, I'll smash your bloody face in. Oh. Better keep listening. Might be a bit about blessed are the Big Noses. Oh, lay off him. Oh, you're not so bad yourself, Conk Face. Where are you two from? Nose City? And don't pick your nose.
I wasn't going to pick my nose. I'm going to thump him. You hear that? Blessed or the Greek. The Greek. Hmm. Well, apparently he's going to inherit the earth. Did anyone catch his name? You're not going to thump anybody. I'll thump him if he calls me Big Nose again. Oh, shut up, Big Nose. Oh, what? I warned you. Oh, really, we'll slug you so hard. Oh, it's the meek. Blessed are the meek. Oh, that's nice, isn't it? I'm glad they're getting something because they have a hell of a time. Listen, I'm only telling the truth. You have got a belly, Big Nose. Hey, your nose is going to be three foot wide across your face by the time I finish with you. Shh. Well, who it yours then? Glass, Big Brother. Oh, right. That's your last warning. Oh, do pipe down. All right. I love this clip from Monty Python's The Life of Brian because through humor, it reveals that we're like really largely familiar with the Beatitudes, but we don't know anything about the Beatitudes. Both are true. We have no idea what they mean, and they're super familiar. I can remember um, this presidential debate. It was a while back in which all the candidates were asked, what's your favorite Bible verse? I think it was probably the last time that that will ever be a question in a presidential debate. But they were. They were asked, what's your favorite Bible verse? And the first candidate said, uh, the Beatitudes. And then the next one was like, oh yeah, me too. And then the third one said, I was going to say the Beatitudes. They were all like, oh yeah, definitely the Beatitudes. But I... Highly doubt, I highly, highly doubt that any of them even had a clue about what the Beatitudes say. Because if they did, if they really did believe, for instance, that the inheritance of the land belongs to the meek, then if I was the moderator, like my next, my follow-up question would be, okay, great, so what's your executive plan to honor the 368 broken treaties with indigenous sovereign tribes? right? The Beatitudes are super familiar, and yet we have no idea what they mean. So if you don't know like, about the Beatitudes, you're in great company, okay? And you're about to leave that company right now, because today we're going to get better acquainted with Jesus's blessing of the meek. They've had a hell of a time Are you ready for this? Are you ready? The sermon begins in Matthew 5, 1 through 2 by saying this. Let's read it together. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain. And after he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he began to speak and he taught them. So now, in order to understand this teaching better, we got to ask two questions. Who is Jesus talking to? And what's Jesus's main message? And to do that, we need to go back a chapter to set the context for this, okay? So we're now, let's look at chapter four to answer this first question. Who is it that Jesus is talking to? Who are these crowds? Who are these disciples that are following Jesus that he's talking to? Okay, let's read this together. Matthew 4. Jesus went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, curing every disease and every sickness among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria and began, and they brought to him all the sick, those who were afflicted with various diseases and pains, people possessed by demons or having epilepsy or afflicted with paralysis, and he cured them 
and great crowds followed him from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. So what do we know now? Who, who were these, these great big crowds that Jesus is talking to? People who were sick. Yeah, who saw him do miracles. People who were afflicted. Mental health, epilepsy, paralysis, pain, sickness, disease. And so I want you to be honest now. Is this what you think of when you think of a crowd of blessed people? Yesterday, I overheard, um, I was at the Mount Lake Terrace uh, parade, and I heard two people talking behind me, and uh, one stranger was talking to a friend about her vacation rental getting upgraded, and the friend used this language of blessing. She was like, oh my gosh, what a blessing. You are so blessed. Oh my gosh. What do you think? Is it likely that this person would consider this crowd a blessed crowd? Because I know that in a cutthroat Roman political culture, in a moralistic religious culture, these are not considered blessed people. These are considered cursed people. They're unfavored by the gods, right? These are the losers, not the winners. These are the least significant, the left out, the beaten down. So as we're reading about Jesus's big sermon here, keep that in mind, his audience, who he's speaking to, okay? Now, the second question, what's Jesus's main message here? Because, um, you know, each of these blessings are made to fit together. They're part of a larger picture that Jesus is painting. They're not meant to just kind of be understood by themselves, right? They piece together in, in kind of a collage. Um, and there's this saying among pastors that um, everyone's just got one sermon, like the packaging changes, you know, a little bit, but everyone's just got one sermon. And yeah, Catherine's like laughing at me because she knows. And that's the case for Jesus too. Jesus has like one main sermon. And lucky for us, Matthew's gospel tells us up front what that main message is. So let's read it. It's in Matthew 4. Together. Jesus began to proclaim, repent. This is uh, the word metanoia. This is to means to, to turn around, to have a change of heart, have a change of mind, to pay attention. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. It's arrived. That's it. That's Jesus's like main message. So whatever Jesus says next, he wants to get this point across. Look, see what God is doing right now all around you. It's a perfect song, Jay. We didn't, even, we didn't even talk about that. That was a perfect song. And Jesus is using this language of kingdom as a contrasting metaphor, the kingdom of God. And he's using this language because everyone that he's talking to knows what it's like to be under the Roman empire, the Roman kingdom, Caesar's kingdom. They know how Rome's kingdom uses violence to keep peace and order. How Rome's kingdom taxes the poor to bless the wealthy. Everyone knows what it's like to have Caesar as Lord. And, you know, 
it's not terribly different than the world we live in. So when Jesus starts announcing God's kingdom, the contrast between these kingdoms cannot be larger. And it begins here with who gets in. Who are the first to enter into this new reality of God's reign in the world? Who are the ones that this unlikely king blesses? And today, we're looking at the meek. You know, the meek, right? The meek? This is not a word we use. <laughs> like, what do you think of uh, when you hear the word meek? What is, what is a meek? Can you tell me? What's, what's a meek? What's... Timid, yeah, timid. What else would you say? How would you define this? Quiet. Quiet. Careful. careful, did you say careful? Fearful. Fearful. Yeah, this is so interesting. Um, the dictionary gives two totally contrasting definitions for the word meek. The first one is, I think, the one that we think of when we hear it. Easily imposed upon and deficient of courage, timid, fearful, right? But the second one is this, enduring injury with patience and without retaliation. One of them is, is, is virtuous, the other one not so much. But this confusion makes sense to me though, because don't we experience this confusion, right? Like, don't you find that patience is often taken advantage of? That non-retaliation is interpreted as, as cowardly often? And either way, if you are in a position of meekness, it means that you have already endured injury. You've been cheated, you've been stolen from. The crowd that followed Jesus knew intimately what it meant to unfairly lose things that they couldn't get back on their own. But there's a, there's a little bit of a different meaning that Jesus wants to bring to our attention when he uses the word meek, when he blesses the meek. You wanna know how I know this? I did a, a, a word search. <laughs> I did a, a biblical word search and I discovered that Jesus is plagiarizing Psalm 37. I mean, he's not really plagiarizing. He's, he's quoting Psalm 37. And if we want to know what Jesus means by meek, then we got to read it. Are you ready to read it? Okay, here's Psalm, Psalm 37. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in the Lord and the Lord will act. The Lord will make your vindication shine like the light and the justice of your cause like the noonday. Be still before the Lord. Wait patiently. Do not fret over those who prosper in their way, over those who carry out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It leads you only to evil. For the wicked shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. Yet a little while, and the wicked will be no more. Though you look diligently for their place, they will not be there. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant prosperity. 
I was shocked when I found this. So given these details, um, how do, what does Jesus think about the meek? What are some of the characteristics of the meek? You can throw that back up there if you want. Patient, yeah. 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 We would need like another 45 minutes to even begin to talk about what does the land mean to them? Yeah. Eretz. The land. What else? What else do we know about the meek? Yeah, they're committed to trusting Yahweh's vindication and not using the same means to get their justice in the way that they've been harmed. Uh, maybe you, you might identify with this. You might find yourself a meek today in this, this category of meek today. Um, wanting, wanting to get back what may have been taken from you in ways that would end up corrupting you, but instead you're patient and you're trusting and you're not wrathful, but you're vigilant, you're vigilant about it. And you're not anxious because you're trusting that the pit that the wicked dig for you to drop into is the one that they themselves will drop into. So you refuse to retaliate with that same kind of evil that was done to you. And Jesus says, everyone might look at you as you wait patiently and think, man, unblessed. And Jesus looks at you and calls you blessed and says, this is what the kingdom of God looks like. Turn, see that you're in it. You're in it right here and right now because you get to see what God is about to do for you. Uh, this week, someone reached out to me and said, Pastor, I am feeling so disconnected with myself and I am just, I'm having a hard time. I'm afraid to lose things. I'm afraid to lose things again. My nervous system is just shot. What, what do you think I should do about this? And because I was just like sitting in this text, you know, all week, I was like, I could, I like saw the, the meekness. I was like, oh my gosh, this is meekness. This is meek, right? And so I, um, I was like, hey, I want to I wanna bless you. And, um, and then I want to give you like a really, <laughs> some really weird consultation. What if you, what if you tried this? What if you took like a really like cold, cold shower for 30 seconds and just stay in it? Just stay, just, you know, stay in the cold. And then draw yourself a hot, luxurious bath and open your Bible to Matthew 5. <laughs> and then slowly read over each of these blessings. And the ones that feel like they, they fit to you, like they're, oh, this is me, the ones that you identify with, just receive them. Receive them as Jesus' blessing upon you. Like Jesus is just, is just speaking this for you right now. And then I got a text a little bit later on that said, 
Oh my gosh, thank you. I, I feel so refreshed and what a healing exercise this was for me. And isn't that what our world needs right now though, right? Like, can you think of anything more refreshing and more healing than to be a voice of blessing rather than a voice of cursing in our world today? So I, I'm so curious, how will you, how will you bless this week? Who will you bless this week? Um, like literally pick someone out right now in your mind. Pick someone out. It could, it's probably going to be like the best and biggest thing that you'd even do this week. <laughs> to choose to bless, to choose to bless someone in an unexpected way this week. And Jesus is urging a salt house to be a community of blessing. Why? Because we already know what it's like to be meek, what it's like to lose things. We know loss in this community, don't we? We know loss. And we know what it means to be blessed by Jesus simultaneously. So the only next step here is for us to share it, to share our gold with others, share that, that blessing with others. And so you've got um, a board up here to even just like help you like name, name either um, that meekness, to name that loss, to claim your meekness before the one who blesses you, and to claim that voice of Jesus who blesses you, and to make it your prayer. You might want to write a situation. You might want to write um, uh, a name of a friend or, or whoever it might be. Um, but take the time while we sing this next song to engage with this board of blessing up here and engage with Jesus who calls you blessed. <laughs>